Diddly Ho, Preparinos. This is Nat, the Preparedness Guy, and you are listening to Preparedness Works. Before we go on, I want to mention the sponsor of today's episode. Sawyer products offer the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, water, and injuries. Everything from water filtration systems to insect repellents. So if you're at work, at home, or at play, make sure you check out Sawyer products at Sawyer.com. Come back to the show. This podcast was originally going to be called Master of the Preparedness Arts, which was good, but it became a mouthful. So I changed it, and now it's Preparedness Works. I'll talk about the new title in a little bit, but first I wanted to give the original title um, basically some credit. It was a good one and elicited thoughts of, of martial arts where... It's something that you can dedicate yourself to, work really hard, and become proficient at. But it also, here's the nerdy side coming out. Well, not so nerdy because it's one of the most popular book series uh, ever. So it was it was uh, elicited thoughts of the dark art, Defense Against the Dark Arts in Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling. If you haven't heard about that, then you are one of the ten people in this country who haven't. But in book book five, The Order of the Phoenix, there was a, a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Now, this was um, in Harry Potter. They go to a wizard school and they learn how to uh, fight dark wizards and among other things. And in this Defense Against the Dark Arts class, they're supposed to be learning how to fight dark wizards and, and creatures. But this new government... Saying, uh, government appointed professor comes in and says like don't even pull out your wands we're just going to learn about the theory of defense against the dark arts and she says there's one basically one right way like an approved method of of doing this it's based only in theory not in action now theory is good but it needs to be practiced you need to put it in into practice and she continuously denied that there was any threat. There's no reason you actually need to know how to do defense against the dark arts. This is just a theoretical educational situation and basically called Harry Potter and the lead characters conspiracy theorists for preparing for something that she really knew was a threat, but was denying. And this whole method of her teaching was very top down. It was ministry of magic approved. They had ministry approved materials, ministry trained educational experts only. She criticized the previous teachers and students, and it wasn't based on anybody's individual needs or circumstances. Now there is no one size fits all solution for preparedness, but if we take the principles and match them with your needs and capabilities and practice them, you can come up with something pretty powerful. Now, the new title, Preparedness Works. Now, why Preparedness Works? Well, because it does. Uh, but I looked at the, uh, yeah, after, after thinking of it, and, and basically what it made me thought, I looked at the definition of works. Now, there are some different definitions. One is a, a noun. It's uh, the internal mechanisms, like the works of a watch. And... We're going to break apart preparedness, look at the internal mechanism. Also, it's 
informal, meaning the full range of possibilities. This is also as a noun. So if you ordered a pizza with the works, it's the it's everything on it. And we're going to be talking about preparedness in all aspects. But it's also, as a noun, an act or a deed, something that is produced or accomplished through effort, activity, or agency of a person or thing. So the works that you do to prepare, something we're also going to address. Then as a verb, to work is to function or operate in the desired or required way, like a working telephone. The telephone works and preparedness works. It's also to have the desired effect or outcome. So a thing works the proper way or it results in the thing you want, like a recipe working. Let me tell you a couple stories that kind of shaped my my coming into preparedness uh, from uh, from a somewhat early age, uh, but kind of led me in this direction. Now, first in high school, this wasn't the first exposure I had to to emergency situa- emergency situations, but it uh, did have quite an impact. I was sitting in economics class, and I was doing a worksheet. I don't remember much from that class. I remember this incident, and I remember that we had some fake checks that we had to uh, to write out for different things. And uh, that became mostly obsolete. I think I also did that in the fourth grade, writing fake checks. But um, I rarely write checks anymore. This incident, though, taught me another thing that I got to take with me and had more of an impact on my life. Sitting there working on this, this worksheet, and I hear this unmistakable scream screeching noise of desks being moved on the floor. Now, if you went to a public school, you know what that sounds like. Sorry for the loud noise. No, I'm not. And it caught me off guard. I thought, what is going on? Is everyone doing a joke that I'm not aware of? And I turn around and see all these desks being moved to the edge of the classroom. And I'm like, what is going on? Because everybody's doing it. Are they, do they plan this? And I turn and I look. And then I, I turn behind me and one row over and there's a classmate having a seizure. So he's having a seizure and I had never seen somebody so close having a seizure. It was um, definitely unexpected. But I followed the crowd and scooted my desk screeching across the floor. And here's a student sitting basically in the middle of the classroom and all of us are surrounding. Somebody ran for help, which was great. Um, definitely needed to be done. And the rest of us stood there not knowing what to do. And I watched him and I thought, well, he's going to fall out of his desk and hit his head if we don't do something. I said, well, he needs to be put on the floor. So I, I stepped forward. The teacher came with me and we started moving him to the chair. More students came to help and we laid him down. I had no idea what to do. I just knew that he was possibly going to going to smack his head if if we didn't lower lower him before that happened um so i didn't have the right knowledge or tools i just did the best i could now years later i uh, had learned what to do if somebody's having a seizure putting them on the ground is good and on their side in a rescue position make sure you call for help and um, timing the seizures is also a good idea so you can give that information to the responders so they know how, how long it was happening. Uh, but years later, 
I had become a medic in the army uh, and had done more around preparedness and medical skills. And I went on a hunting trip with my brothers and some close friends. Now, nobody got shot. I was prepared for it, though. And I brought myself an aid bag that I packed specifically for our trip. I had some regular first aid items, but I I brought um, trauma kit items for if somebody did have uh, an accidental gunshot and or if they broke a leg or had a, a um, some sort of injury while we were hiking around because there was a lot of hiking on in steep areas while we were hunting. And I was more prepared. This didn't catch me so off guard, but on our way home, after the trip, we're driving on a dirt road from our, our campsite and hunting site back towards the main road, and there's a lot of dust. Most of us are um, in the suburban, and then our friend was following behind in, or he was riding a, a riding a motorcycle, and there was so much dust, he got, got kicked up, and he got caught in it and crashed this uh, the motorcycle he was riding. Basically went over the handlebars. When we realized this, we backed up, went back there, got out, and he's yelling, medic, medic, which was pretty witty because I was one at the time. And at this point, I ran back to see to see him. He was a little bit disoriented. He was sitting there. I could see his foot was pointing in the wrong direction. Uh, his helmet was askew and there was uh, blood on his forehead. Um, so because the helmet was already basically off his head, we took that the rest of the way off. I did a head to toe assessment. The major concern that I found was his leg. His um, leg appeared to be broken. His foot was definitely in the wrong pointing in the wrong direction. And I noticed my brother, uh, one of my brothers was right, right next to us. He's kneeling down, uh, looking at our friend and, uh, was apparently ready to help. And I thought, I thought in that moment, wow, this is really cool. Like here is, here is a willing and eager person. What can I do to make this effective? And I gave him some tools and some directions and I had him get the debris out of our friend's forehead. There were little, little bits of rocks and um, some dirt that had basically scraped up his forehead. So that was his job. And he's a, a competent person, had, had learned first aid uh, as well. He was a Boy Scout and uh, was... Uh, in the army. So he had combat lifesaver training as well, but this was a specific task for which he was ready to help. But once he had the right tools and some instruction, he went right to work. And I focused on this leg and I had the right knowledge at this point, And I had the right tools. Uh, we had a friend, once we realized that this friend was hurt, sent another friend back to the car who grabbed my, uh, my medical kit, brought it back. And I'm splinting up this leg. We got him moved into the vehicle and down to the hospital. And this was basically a, a different situation that uh, I had more knowledge, had more tools. And I still, I did the best I could there. Things worked out, 
worked out well, but I was definitely more prepared for this situation. So having the right knowledge, the right tools, and knowing how to apply them can be really impactful. Now, if you were a neurosurgeon, say you were really good at, at brain surgery, and you had all the right knowledge and skills and a desire to help out when somebody needed it, but you're out in the middle of the desert and you don't have any of your tools, you're not going to be nearly as effective as you could be without all of your tools. If I went into a fully stocked um, operating room and there was somebody, the same patient there who needed this brain surgery and I was there, I don't have the knowledge or skills to take care of that. So skills can be learned and your tools can be acquired and you can decide to act at any point. But you need to have all of them in order to do something in an emergency. So that's the challenge is to get the right knowledge and skills for the things that you want to address, the needs that that you have, that your family has. Get the right tools and decide to act. It's what's in your mind, what's in your hands, and what is in your heart. Welcome to Preparedness Works. Thank you.